0: Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely night, dreaming of a soul, the male- Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz, With me, as always, my brother from another mother. Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. What's going on? Oh, it's all happening, folks. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Uh, as always, I'm excited about today because, Steve, let me just ask. I'll just start off by asking this question. I think I know the answer to it, but do you believe in time travel? I do. So, well, what if we could say that now, out in the forefront, for everyone to be able to see that we can now have a glimpse into the past of far back as 250 million years after the Big Bang. Uh, That sounds amazing. I want to know more. Well, that's what this show is going to be all about today. Because whether you've heard of it or not, I'm sure everybody's heard of uh, the Hubble telescope before. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just old news now. That's just... uh, Uh, That's in the scrapyard, if you will, because uh, this new one that has recently been launched uh, goes by the name of the James Webb Space Telescope, is going to make uh, it basically like the Hubble being kindergarten and uh, this telescope being a graduate from Harvard as far as compared to the capabilities and what we can see because uh, I think we'll probably cover it in the show, but like like uh I was saying that with this telescope you're gonna be able to see two hundred and fifty million years after the Big Bang. I mean, that's a long time ago. In Hubble it could only see a mere four hundred million years after the Big Bang. So we're gaining another hundred and fifty million. Hundred and fifty million years. That's a long time to see the creation. I mean, if before we get into this, if you would put it in perspective, now this is this is actually what I was thinking, uh when we when we were going over this material, what they should do, this is what I think that they should do with this new telescope. When they launch it, and then uh, I think it's going to be observing and taking pictures and stuff from like a, a million miles from Earth, if I'm not mistaken. What they should do is keep sending it into interstellar space for like, I don't know, 50 years, 100 years, and then point it back at the Earth and see what they're seeing as far as what the Earth would look like. Because, you I mean, 50 years traveling in interstellar space at probably speeds of, I would think, no less than 15,000 miles an hour. It would cover some ground in 50 years. And definitely looking back on Earth, it should look different. It should be looking into the past. I think it would be amazing.
1: But then what you would beam, you would beam the image from the scope back to the Earth.
0: Yeah. Yep, and you'd be on the Earth looking at yourself. Well, probably not. Probably looking at well, depending on it. Like, let's just say it went sixty-five million. It could look back. We'd be seeing the dinosaurs if it was just looking back sixty-five million years on Earth. I like it. So, but who knows? So, but now we'll we'll give you the information from the people that really know what they're talking about. <laughs> so uh, here we go. The largest space telescope in history is about to blow our minds and it's the James Webb Space Telescope and it will be a hundred times as powerful as Hubble and will change how we see the universe. Exploring strange new worlds, understanding the origins of the universe, searching for life in the galaxy. These are the plot of new science fiction. These are not the plot of new science fiction movie but the mission objectives of the James Webb Space Telescope, the long-awaited successor to the Hubble Space Telescope. On Christmas, NASA launched the Webb from French Guiana in partnership with the European Space Agency and the Canadian Space Agency. Now the telescope is on its way to a point nearly a million miles away from the Earth. On its journey, the telescope has to complete a difficult mechanical mover, assembling itself. The telescope is so large it needed to launch folded up inside a rocket. Over the course of several weeks, it needs to unfurl its various components from its sunshield to its mirrors. Now according to NASA, more than 300 potential technical problems or single point failures could potentially doom the mission. But when it fully deploys in space, the web will usher in a new age of astronomy and show humanity things it has never seen before. That's crazy. I mean, you would think with three hundred potential technical problems that could go wrong, that one might. I mean, the chance. I mean, mathematically, I mean, it, but they have to make sure it doesn't. Or there goes, you know, what ten billion dollars. Right. It's so
1: going could be like winning the lottery. I mean, there's odds. There's chances that it could happen, but there's chances that it it doesn't happen as well.
0: I guess there's yeah. There's chances that it could get slammed in by a meteor, right? Too. Who knows? Right. So, well, let's see. The web represents the culmination of decades, if not centuries, of astronomy, says Sarah Seeger, a planetary scientist and astrophysicist at MIT. We've been waiting for this for a very long time. Scientists started thinking about the follow-up even before the Hubble Space Telescope launched in 1990. After more than three decades in space, it's unclear how much longer this boundary-breaking satellite will be able to scan and photograph the universe. The web was originally supposed to launch in 2010 and cost around $1 billion. Its price tag <clears throat> excuse me, ballooned to $10 billion and it's way overdue. But the wait will be worth it, at least according to scientists who expect new and revealing glimpses of our universe. We're going right up to the edge of
1: the observable universe with Webb, says Caitlin Casey, an assistant professor of astronomy at the University of Texas at Austin. And yeah, we're excited to see what's there. The web will surpass the Hubble in several ways. It will allow astronomers to look not only farther out into space, but also further back in time. Mm. It will search the first stars and galaxies of the universe. It will allow scientists to make careful studies of numerous exoplanets, planets that orbit stars other than our sun and even embark in a search for signs of life out there.
0: Dun, dun, dun. That's crazy because <clears throat> and they're saying that they're going to be able to see the the first stars and the first galaxies the telescope will be seeing them. But that doesn't mean that they exist anymore. It's true that light could be millions of years old. Yeah, I mean when you look up into the night sky and you see stars, I mean that light you're seeing is probably millions of years old. Yeah,
1: exactly. The Web is a machine for answering unanswered questions about the universe, for exploring what has been unexplored until now. Here's a guide to what the Web is capable of. The Web's golden mirror is a giant leap for telescopes of its kind. The launch of the Hubble Telescope, named after famed astronomer Edwin Hubble, was itself a huge leap forward in astronomy. Here on Earth, astronomers seek out remote mountaintops and deserts to build major telescopes for the best chance of viewing a dark sky away from the pollution of bright lights. But their view is still marred by the slight haze and luminescence of the Earth's atmosphere. Space is the ultimate mountaintop, says NASA. There's no better view of space than, well, from space. Can't argue that. Hubble has meant so much during its 30-year run. For one thing, it's sent us unforgettable, jaw-droppingly beautiful images like those of the Lagoon Nebula and the Pillars of Creation. It's also taught us about the age of the universe, about what happens when stars explode, about black holes. It helped establish many of the boundaries that the web hopes to push. Most powerfully, its observations have led scientists to believe the universe is expanding and accelerating, propelled by something so mysterious that scientists simply call it dark energy. The Webb is controversially named for the man who led NASA in the decade leading up to the moon landing, James Webb. Its namesake was a government bureaucrat at a time when it was federal policy to fire gay staffers, while current NASA Administrator Bill Nelson has said that The agency has found no evidence at this time that warrants changing the name of the Webb telescope. More than 1,700 people have signed a petition accusing Webb of complicity in a discriminatory policy. Namesake aside, the technological achievement of NASA's newest telescope is uncontroversial. It's set to take the success
0: of the Hubble a step further. That sounds just like the government. There's 1,700 people with a petition saying, we want the name change, and they're just like, nah.
1: I mean, out of, what, how many millions of people? Well, Well, I wasn't asked, so, I mean.
0: we didn't seek it out. True. What we're going to get is a telescope that's 100 times more powerful than Hubble, says Amber Strawn, an astrophysicist at NASA, who works on the web. How? The web improves on Hubble in two key ways. The first is just its size. Hubble was about the size of a school bus, whereas Webb is more like the size of a tennis court. This thing is enormous. Webb is by far the biggest telescope NASA's ever attempted to send into space. But it's not just the total size of the contraption that matters. When it comes to reflecting telescopes, the key component is the size of its curved mirror. You could sort of think of a telescope mirror like a light bucket. The more light you can collect in this bucket, the fainter and farther away things you can see in the universe. Hubble's mirror was an impressive 7.8 feet in diameter. Webb's beautiful gold-hued mirrors combined for a diameter of 21.3 feet. Overall, that's the, um, that amounts to more than six times the light collecting area. Well, what does that mean in practice? Well, consider one of Hubble's most famous images, the deep field. In 1995, scientists set up the Hubble to stare off into a teeny tiny patch of sky about the size of the head of a pin held at an arm's length from the viewer and, the capture, and capture as much light as it could from that one spot. The image that came back was astounding. Hubble uncovered thousands of galaxies in this teensy patch of sky, helping us to refine the number of galaxies thro- thought to exist in the universe. This photo also revealed Hubble's larger power as a time machine. In astronomy, the farther away things are, the older they are, because light from farther away takes a very long time to travel to the Earth. That means that the Hubble Deep Field is not only a snapshot of space, it also contains the history of our universe. Galaxies in this image appear to us as they were billions of years ago. What Webb will do is take that field and go even further. UT Austin's Casey explains so the tiny specks of light in the background of the Hubble deep field will brighten and become more detailed we'll be able to see the spiral arms we'll be able to see the s- see structure and then we'll be able to get more specks of light and even further in the past we're seeing farther back in time with Webb
1: With Webb, astronomers like Casey will be able to see so far back that they'll potentially spot the very first stars and galaxies. Hubble has seen light dating back about 400 million years after the Big Bang, which took about 13.3 billion years to reach us. So that is some old light. Yeah. That's far. But Webb has the capability to take us 250 million years after the Big Bang. Who ha- uh, Casey, who has been approved to work with the Webb Telescope, it might not sound like a big difference what's a few hundred million years between friends, but actually it's the difference between seeing the first stars that ever turned on arriving a little bit too late after the funeral. So right after the Big Bang, when the first stars turned on, we are now going to be able to see that light. That's pretty crazy. That's really crazy. Astronomers call this period when the first starlight shone through the universe the cosmic dawn. With Webb, humanity will be able to get a glimpse at it for the very first time. Beyond that are barriers through which even the Webb cannot see. Prior to the first starlight, the universe was shrouded by a dense, obscuring fog of primordial gas. As the National Science Foundation explains, there's no light that reaches our telescopes from this time, which is called the Cosmic Dark Ages. Uh, Casey and other astronomers hope the web will help them understand the end of the Dark Ages and figure out what caused this fog to lift, ushering in the cosmic dawn. Scientists suspect the starlight from the earliest galaxies did it. If you have a cloud of gas and it encounters energetic light, that energetic light will ionize that gas and disassociate that cloud, says Casey. And so if that light has just turned on, it then hits the gas and really transforms the entire universe from a dark place to a light place. The Webb telescope sees infrared light, which can be very, very old. The web's other advantage is the type of light it collects. Light comes in a lot of different varieties. The human eye can see only a narrow band known as visible light. But the universe contains lots and lots of light outside of this range, including the higher frequency, higher energy forms, ultraviolet, and gamma rays. Then there's the lower light with the longer wavelengths, infrared microwave radio. I just want to take a second, give a shout out to Brian Resnick uh, with Vox that put this together. Great article here. The Hubble Space Telescope collects visible light, ultraviolet, and a little bit of infrared. The Webb is primarily an infrared telescope. That is kind of what everybody has been saying. It's an infrared telescope. When you hear about the Hubble, it had like three or four different things, but this the Webb is a an infrared telescope. So it sees light that's in a longer wavelength than what our eyes can see.
0: So well, what you were saying to me well, that you had seen, I, I believe some other research that we had, is that if this telescope on Earth, if there was a flea on the moon, it could see its heat signature? It's true. The, a couple things about the,
1: the Webb telescope. One is... It will study stars, and it will study planets and galaxies out in the universe. One thing it will never do is study our own star. Uh, it cannot be turned around and pointed at our own sun because it is so close. It will burn like the mirrors. It, it's right. too much. So we will never see our own sun or our own star... We'll see all the other stars, but we can never see our own. We see it every day. Yeah, I mean, we can see it with our naked eye. Uh, We can feel it. Um, So we can study that in many other ways. What what we're doing with this infrared uh, telescope is studying really far away stuff. And uh, the sun actually needs to be... The telescope needs to be shielded from the sun. So they came up with this sun shield that is like five layers thick of this material. And... Basically, it's like balloons, like mylar balloons. When they expanded it, when they took it out into space and got it out of the rocket and started putting all the parts together, this sun shield that they made, they used the vacuum of space, which doesn't transmit heat very well at all. Um, inside these specially, like I said, mylar balloons, like these specially inflated uh, barriers And then it wraps the whole way around the back of the telescope. So none of the sun's radiation, none of the sun, the sun doesn't, our our sun doesn't affect the telescope at all because it's so sensitive. It needs to be in cold, cold atmosphere. That's why they sent it a hundred or a million miles away was so that it would be out into the, into space and there would be no heat around it because it picks up heat sensor, uh, signatures so easily and like Matt was saying, if if you were on Earth with the telescope, and there was a flea on Mars, you would be able to see its heat signature. That's how sensitive this equipment is.
0: On Mars or the Moon? On the Moon. Excuse me. And and just to put into perspective how how far out a million miles from the Earth is into space, the distance to the Moon is two hundred thirty-eight thousand miles. So it's four. It's over four times the distance away. Then the, then the moon is from the earth from us. I mean, that's some deep space getting some uh, good imagery going. Yeah, this telescope is out there. Now, you know, some have said it, 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 it may sound nerdy, um, but uh, technically, but actually is what, <coughs> what happens is that the web allows to look further back in time than Hubble. And it's simple. Infrared light is often very old light due to a phenomenon called red shifting. When a light source is moving away from a viewer, it gets stretched out, morphing into a longer and longer wavelength, growing redder. The opposite is true as well. As a light source grows closer, the wavelengths shorten, growing bluer. It's it's similar to what happens when a siren goes by. The pitch increases as the siren approaches, but then decreases as it trails away. Because space is constantly expanding, The farthest things away from us in the universe are moving away from us, and as light travels through space from those distant galaxies, the light is literally stretched by the expansion of space. Imagine a star that's really far away. The light from the star may start off in the visible spectrum, but it gets stretched on its journey to us. It grows redder and redder. So when we see distant galaxies with Hubble, they're sort of these little tiny red nuggets. Eventually, these very distant old galaxies grow so red that they drop into the infrared spectrum. Webb can see this ancient light that has become invisible to the human eye. Conveniently, infrared light has other uses as well. It's a really good type of light to use to look at exoplanets. For existence, if you if you were on a planet that orbits another star and wanted to see Earth, visible light would be your best bet. And what I'd like to see, I mean, if, they, if they're able to... If, if this telescope can see 250 million years after the Big Bang, it'll be interesting to see if they come across any um, extraterrestrial civilizations that are extremely advanced. And when they're zooming in on these stars, they're seeing them like being able to harness the power of the star to run their civilization. I think that's what's called what a type 3 or type 4 civilization is channeling the energy from your star. Now, whether that information would ever make it to us or not, Who knows, it'd probably be deep-stated, but why do it if we're not going to be seeing stuff like that? You know what I'm saying, Steve? I do. I I had to bring up aliens. I mean, everyone's thinking it. Well, I mean,
1: I'll ask you this now. I was going to ask you this at the end, but do you think that this particular piece of equipment that we have, which is the most powerful telescope in the history of mankind, do you think this is the piece that will give us that – undeniable uh, proof that there is intelligent life beyond our life in the universe?
0: Yes. If the information is released to the public, um, if it's not, then I guess the, the obvious answer would be no, because people are always going, to go, well, where's the proof? Where's the proof? But if they would be open to the public about everything that this sees and captures and reports back on, Then, yes, 100%. It would be exactly what we need because we can't travel at those speeds. But if we have, I'll just say for the lack of a better term, a device that can see that far back, yeah, we should be able to know. Now, will they tell us? I doubt it.
1: You know what that reminds me of? When Elon launched the Tesla into space. Yeah. And you and I were, like, glued to the website because they were streaming live footage from video off of the front of this rocket that was basically just going into space as far as it could go. And at some point they cut it. Yeah,
0: they cut it. And and I've got, um, some screen grabs of, of when they launched the car and it was just going to head out into interstellar space. And you can see what looks like all kinds of craft flying by. Now I made sure that I screen recorded this and I have it saved to a hard drive somewhere. But, uh, it's crazy because recently, or not too long after that, NASA contacted Elon and told him that all of his cameras on all of his um, rockets had to be turned off once it broke into space, into, you know, once it breaks our atmosphere. Which, the, why, why would that
1: be? Yeah, there was a radius that they gave. They said, uh, we're going to make it essentially illegal to transmit video from beyond a certain point.
0: Which is illegal within itself because nobody technically is supposed to own space or have ownership over space. So what is this government agency telling a private-owned citizen what he can and cannot do in something that's not supposedly owned by anybody? I'd be like, beat it.
1: Well, like you like you had said, and we went over this in prior podcasts, as it stands now, the, um, the rules for a vessel are based off of the rules from where it was launched on the earth so right. so it would technically follow f- fall under uh u.s rules because it's they they launched them from uh i think texas
0: just like the guy that built the telescope bunch of bureaucrats <laughs> all right let's jump back in the earth peaks in infrared says John Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory astronomer Kevin Stevenson, who plans to use the web in his research. So if we want to be able to study an Earth-like planet in another solar system, what we, really want to do, what we really want to do is observe at infrared wavelengths because that's where the light from the Earth is being emitted. Exoplanet scientists like Stevenson are going to use the web to analyze the atmospheres of these worlds. The web is capable of determining some of the chemicals in the atmosphere. We can detect water, carbon it's uh, methane stevenson said while those aren't definitive signs of life on their own they could begin to ask fascinating questions what created that methane and carbon dioxide could it have been life we all want to find another earth don't we the prospect of answering the question are we alone has been something that we've been asking ourselves for centuries and i think with the web this will provide us the first opportunity to really answer that question. So they think so too. They're positive as long as the information is getting out that it should be the uh, wave of the future. And it, it may not even be like uh, like super advanced
1: technological life, but if you could find a planet like Earth and you were able to hone in on it and really look at it and you see things moving around down there.
0: Even if it's wildlife. Exactly. I mean, that's life. and I mean, Alien life. So they're they're banking on that this gadget better never break because it costs $10 billion. And scientists are clearly raring to go. But the web revolution has taken a while. One reason for all the launch delays had to do with contractor snafus. But a big source of them all, NASA's Strawn, says, is the complexity of the web itself.
1: You know, what I was thinking was, if you're looking down, you see things moving around, uh, you got to be scared kind of like to be the first one that lands down there. Yeah. Because you, you could run into like a uh, saber tooth tiger. Banthas. Or like hippopotamuses, which remember that one time we were hunting and that thing was in front of you. Yeah. it was just snarling and in, I couldn't see it. In the darkness. It was, it wasn't far away from you. It was like.
0: <laughs> yeah. I had to smack my bow
1: at it. And uh, like, that was scary. And that wasn't a huge animal or like a, like a, like an african uh, lion or an elephant or something like there or is
0: 800 packs pound silverback right there's
1: so many animals that are so scary here on earth that i can only imagine what space animals would be like and how scary they would be to witness the first time you would uh, inhabit a new planet that would be terrifying
0: And then you're going to have the people that are like, we should put a saddle on that thing. Right. Let's ride that thing. You know who we should nominate? That guy's like, no.
1: (laughs) Okay. So because it's so big, there aren't any rockets that are big enough to launch it fully deployed. Um, We're talking about the Webb telescope. That's why the telescope had to be folded up and fit inside a rocket. So that whole procedure of building a deployable telescope in space is the source of a lot of engineering challenges. Upping the stakes is the fact that while Hubble was launched at around 430 miles above the Earth, Webb will be almost 1 million miles away. That's four times the distance from the Earth to the moon. It means Webb will be unserviceable by human hands if it breaks, Uh, which is scary considering the history of the Hubble. Shortly after the Hubble launched in 1990, engineers realized there was a problem with its mirror. The telescope's initial images came back fuzzy, and astronauts had to launch a space shuttle to fix it. Now, here's something that the, the article doesn't really go into, but the reason why the images came back fuzzy is because the scientists that launched the Hubble never put all of it together here on earth. They had each section and each mirror, but one of the mirrors was ground into a different focus. Meaning like when you have a pair of glasses, if you, if you've ever gone to a eye exam and they make your glasses for you they they use a grinding technique. They make those glasses convexed or concaved to a specific, um, prescription. And with the Hubble, they got the prescription wrong. The scientists got
0: the prescription wrong. Well, imagine if you were that head scientist that signed off on that. Like, yep, it's ready. Well, that's the thing. The, the You know, they pointed fingers. They
1: said, certainly, what are we going to do? And then they immediately did the thing that NASA does where they said, okay, what can we do from here? So they took a box and refracted the light off of like six different lenses so that it would uh, create the proper prescription then they had an astronaut do a spacewalk, insert the box into the Hubble and as the light bounced off of the mirrors that were in there that were not properly focused through this box through all of the lenses uh, it was coming out the other side crystal clear
0: Well, that's one thing that they won't be able to do with Webb is send any astronauts to, <laughs> to go do- fix
1: it no not a million miles away uh that won't be possible with the web. It just it just has to work the first time. Um it will be far away for a good reason, because web is an infrared telescope. It needs to be kept cold. The earth itself is warm and glows in infrared. Any warm glows in infrared. If the telescope was warm, it would also glow <laughs> in in infrared. It it would see itself. The web will orbit around what's called the Lagrange point. This is a point in the space where the telescope can keep cold and critically also stay in line with the Earth as both orbit around the sun. Remarkably, any scientist around the world can apply to use the web, provided they write up a project proposal that passes peer review, but it is pretty competitive. In 2020, the Space Telescope Science Institute, which operates space telescopes from john hopkins university in maryland put out a call for proposals for Webb's first observing run about a quarter of the proposals were accepted it feels like part of me is still stunned says lisa dang a physics phd student at mcgill university who was one of the lucky few who got approved to use the Webb. and the other part is having this imposter syndrome like these data better be really amazing. Dang is set to study one of the most extreme planets ever discovered, K2-141b, a planet 202 light years away from Earth and so close to its host star that its surface is believed to be covered by an ocean of lava. If it has clouds, they are likely made out of vaporized rock, which could then be precipitate out rock rain not much is confirmed about the lava planet but dang will use the web to study the atmosphere and see what's possible on this extreme world winning the project proposal made me feel like an astronomer for the first time dang said but it also makes k2
0: 141b very suddenly real
1: dang dang
0: (laughs) which is crazy because that closest planet k2 141b 202 light years away so if we could travel at the speed of light it would take us 202 years to get there even at half the speed of light it would take us over 400 years just to get there and then it's the floor is lava anyway yeah you get there and it's like it's like what every kid has ever been preparing for (laughs) like when we used to jump from couch to couch don't step in the lava or you burn up this is for real now this is what we've been training for. it's raining rocks (laughs) (laughs) this planet sucks (laughs) let's go home so this is the power of an unprecedented telescope such as Webb. It will help astronomers like, dang, fill in the blank spaces of the cosmos. I had to, of the cosmos. It's wild when you think about it. That we're able to piece together the history of what happened before the Earth or Sun even existed. Casey says, if all goes according to plan, these kind of breakthroughs could come in a matter of months. Months away from amazingly new
1: breakthroughs possibly proving that there is extraterrestrial
0: life or is this the setup for project blue beam They're just like well in a couple oh. months we might know of extraterrestrial life oh there it is there it is it's <laughs> invading we must unite forget everything we need to weaponize space i digress because steve this last little section about this uh web telescope because it's on its way well, it's, it's
1: there and it's fully deployed um, and it was shooting back these images. So they turned it on and it was shooting back these images and they were just points of light. So they were shooting it, they were aiming it at one star and it looked like however many mirrors there are, 16 stars. And the update that we just received, now this is hot off the presses written on march 16th but on march 11th the Webb team completed the stage of alignment known as fine phasing at this key stage in the commissioning of Webb's optical telescope element every optical parameter that has been checked and tested is performing at or above expectations The team also found no critical issues and no measurable contamination or blockages to the Webb's optical path. The observatory is able to successfully gather light from distant objects and deliver it to the instruments without issue. So all systems go on the Webb telescope, and this is from this week. And And all the scientists that
0: were working on that project were like, oh god thank god oh
1: thanks we're not like Hubble.
0: <laughs> and that guy's sitting over in the corner like oh those guys are like oh wow well, i guess we'll hang it up yeah it's it's crazy to think about and i would love to be able to be a uh, a reporter i'd be able to ask questions in front of a panel of those scientists you, you could be a reporter and every question that i would ask i would just stand there with like a skeptical look on my face with their answer be like so you haven't found any life out there yet. And they're like, no, blah, blah, blah. I'm just pick, like, hmm. Really? Like, so what is this thing? So it's a waste of money. No, we're pointing it at an exoplanet that has lava
1: on, the, uh, on every part of its uh, ground.
0: Big, how's that helping with inflation? You spent <laughs> $10 billion on this thing, and you're not
1: answering any of my questions. Why are you looking at that planet? We can obviously not inhabit it.
0: It would end with me being taken out by security, I'm sure. What is the the Goldilocks zone
1: or something
0: yeah, like Yeah, that's the, like the Earth is to the sun, our star. It's got to be in our Goldilocks zone is 93 million miles. So we're, we need to be looking at like lush, beautiful Earth-like
1: planets that have vast oceans and brand new rainforests.
0: And if we have that telescope then we should be able to beam a message then directly at that civilization. If if they're of an intelligent species, which I'm not saying we are, but you know, again, like if Planet full of Banthas you No, know, you're not gonna see Bro, stand.
1: imagine like standing first of all, I imagine it like if they were seeing us that it would just be like a huge
0: eye, like looking through the telescope. That's what they'd be seeing. Maybe that's why on, the, on our money, on top of the pyramids, there's the great overseeing eye just watching everything. It's actually looking through the Webb telescope.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, and also, what if you took a laser pointer and shot that through there back back to the Prius, 13.3 billion years ago? Did you see that? <laughs> I'm blinding you. <laughs> I wrote your name. Did you see it? We, we would solve all of our own mysteries. We'd be like, yeah, we figured out how all the stars lit up we actually did it ourselves with a laser pointer it was pretty awesome
0: so (laughs) bring back hubble oh man good fun good knowledge to know i mean so at least we know now that we got the capability to be able to see et civilizations whether or not they'll let us know or maybe they'll hit us with a false narrative like project blue beam who knows but the fact is that this is real and this is some pretty inc- incredible technology. And uh, they say that they loan it out to people that have good uh, – that put together. So we should. We should. And we should just write our reasoning is we want to find extraterrestrial civilizations, <laughs>
1: period. 25% of the people are being accepted, folks. So we should
0: probably if – we, If we do it individually. Oh, <laughs> man. That upsets And get our wives. Get our wives in on it. Someone's getting accepted. 100%. And then we'll just take it over. We'll broadcast everything we see
1: That's good stuff But you know what, we're getting closer You and I have talked about These concepts for our whole lives And we're getting to the point Where cars are starting to drive themselves Um, we're, We're Moving in and out of space More frequently and easily And now we have The ability to see Billions of years Into our history So
0: so hopefully someone will ask us, like Musk, to go up into space. Mr. Musk, if you're listening to us, me and Steve, we'll go up in the capsule and go around Earth for three days. We'll do the training and all that. And we'll report back, and then we'll get our <laughs> our spot on the on the, uh, on the web telescope, and everyone will know everything. We'll, we will tell all. We will. But until then, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. We'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.